Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, Phil Goldfeder away this week. And uh, this is going to be, I apologize, a little bit under the weather, but I think it's really important to get an episode out this week, particularly about what's been swirling around Washington, swirling around the Democratic Party, swirling around our community, I think, in particular. And no, it's not the announcement from the Israeli Attorney General that Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu will likely be indicted in the middle of, well, he won't be indicted in the middle of the election season because Israel has a process whereby they allow a potential indictee to fight that potential indictment. Um, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the comments, the continued anti-Semitic comments from Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, a Somali American Muslim woman, uh, a younger member of Congress, newly elected part of that team of progressives or that band of progressives that has taken the Democratic Party by storm and seems to have left Washington and in particular the Democratic leadership scrambling to try and figure out what to do when you have a member of your own conference calling into question the loyalty to the United States of other members. Let's just unpack for a second and talk about Ilhan Omar for a second so that we understand what we're dealing with. And if you're not familiar with this issue, we are potentially headed for the Democratic Party. I don't want to going the way of the British Labour Party, in a way. Uh, not to the extent where the leader of the Democratic Party it would be like Jeremy Corbyn, who has long associated himself with terrorists and with the far left and with the BDS movement, etc. That's not the case here. I think the Democratic leadership remains steadily and stalwartly pro-Israel. But the progressive movement in the far left, the democratic socialists represented by Omar and Rashida Tlaib and AOC, that's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and people at the Working Families Party um, in New York, now are rallying around the statements of Ilhan Omar. And a couple years ago, uh, she talked about Israel being evil. She talked about how Israel has hypnotized the world to its actions and essentially has called on some vile anti-Semitic tropes a couple weeks ago when she talked about support of Israel being all about the Benjamins. And of course, as we mentioned, that is a racist and bigoted canard that says that essentially that Jewish money controls politics. And of course, she said that it's APAC and APAC, despite the fact that doesn't actually contribute money to candidates, it's a lobbying organization, just like any other in Washington. There's like many, if you don't like the lobbying establishment, that's fine. That's very legitimate. But to single out APAC is not I believe. <coughs> and there's so many things in here where essentially she points a finger just at 
the organized Jewish community or the Jewish community in general. And so many Jews are unfortunately joining in this chorus. But let's take it a step at a time. So she talked about the fact that this is all about the Benjamins. And in a sense, she was admonished and the Democratic leadership uh, went after her and said, you must apologize. And she did. And she said, I apologize. I don't you know, want to don't have the exact language in front of me because it doesn't really matter because the apology clearly was insincere. And it's it's so classic because this is bringing to the front and bringing to the fore all the things that many of us out there in the political world have seen for a while, have seen the left kind of having this bubbling anti-Semitism couched as anti-Israel. But remember, she's not talking, she's not saying just that Israel is bad. She's saying support of Israel is corrupt. And support of Israel is because of Jewish money. Ergo, it's because of the Jews, and the Jews corrupt the world, and the Jews are a bad influence, and they don't have one of the best interests of America. Okay, so she apologized, and she said that I were hurtful, and I had my Jewish friends help me out and help me understand why talking about Jewish control of money, et cetera, is not a good thing, as if she didn't know, as if, you know, she's new, she's new to this, she's new to Congress. I mean, she's not a, a teenager or a preteen, she's 40 years old, she's a kid, she's a, she served in the state legislature, she's not as newbie a person as people would have you believe. Okay, so we'll chalk that up to a mistake. But then, two, three weeks later, she's at a forum, she's at a book store giving a speech and then uh, and then on Twitter again she talks about the fact that members of Congress and the support of Israel comes from the fact that members of Congress have an allegiance to a foreign country and of course from my point of view and for where I sit in the political world and as an observer this is a horrible and shocking accusation because this is not some guy out there posting on Twitter. This is not some Republican official somewhere, some Democratic official low down. This is a member of Congress talking about her own colleagues. She's an insider. She's part of the club. And she's saying that the reason that people support Israel is because they have an allegiance to that country over the United States of America. And why? Presumably because they're Jewish. Because essentially what she's saying is if you're Jewish and you support Israel, it's because you have an allegiance to Israel first, not because it's good for the United States. Because you have an allegiance to a foreign power. Now, there's a couple nonsense pieces of that. Number one is, as we discussed many times, allegiance to Israel, or not allegiance to Israel, I apologize, being pro-Israel in the United States is actually much more a, a evangelical Christian thing, or even a Christian thing. I mean, not just evangelicals are pro-Israel. Many Christians are pro-Israel. Mormons are pro-Israel. They're not evangelicals. There are other Christian groups who are pro-Israel. They're not evangelicals. Jews in the United States at this point are less than 2% of the population. So... You can either make the accusation of that the Jews are so all-powerful, that's probably anti-Semitic. The Jews are, it's the Jewish money, 
probably that. Or Israel, many Americans view being pro-Israel as being pro-American. Why? Because Israel's a democracy. Because Israel shares our values. Because Israel is a bastion of a tolerant society in a region that lacks them. Because if it comes down to it, where would you rather live? Would you rather live in Saudi Arabia or would you rather live in a country like Israel? And if you're a Christian, would you ra- where would you rather live? In a place that you are have rights or a place where you don't? In many Muslim countries, Christians are not tolerated at all. In fact, they're persecuted. But leave that aside. We're talking about a member of the House of Representatives who was willing to essentially accuse her own colleagues of dual loyalty. And that is what is so shocking here, that that, that that would actually happen. That's an infection that's going on, I think, not just in the Democratic Party, but overall. I mean, we have, we have seen we have seen our political discourse a willingness to kind of go there to do to say the things now maybe people thought them and i guess some people will say wow it's better that they give voice to them instead of hiding them <coughs> excuse me i i'm not sure i'm not sure i think it's i think members of congress politicians members of our political class need to be responsible for what they say they need to own what they say, they need to be thoughtful about what they say. They need to be correct about what they say. Facts matter. Now, the problem is the Democrats bring this back to the president. They say, well, he didn't condemn Steve King. Okay, he didn't support him either. Members of Congress will say, there are Republicans who say similar things. There's Islamophobia out there. Okay, fine. Is it coming from... Other members? No. Now there's this whole hashtag, I stand with Ilion. It's, I, why would you want to stand for somebody who is essentially un-American? I mean, what she's talking about is un-American. To say that members of the body where she sits, when they took their oath to the Constitution, but they actually didn't mean their oath, they actually meant, because of their religion, they actually meant to take it to a foreign power. We got rid of religious litmus tests for office many, many years ago, centuries when this country was founded. And in fact, I believe in the state of Maryland, which originally was founded as a Catholic Colony, there was a religious litmus test for office at one point that you had to be a Catholic. It was a refuge for for Catholics. Most of the colonies were Protestants. And I believe that was done away with. I don't have my exact history here, but that that was an awful thing. When the Jews first came to New York, meaning New Amsterdam, Peter Stuyvesant didn't want to let them in, didn't want to give them rights. But we did. There is no religious litmus test. And I don't that's where we're headed. You know, we've seen it in several instances in Congress these days. And this is sad. 
And now the backlash is even worse because this is roiling the Democratic Party. They can't figure out. Initially, they were going to have a resolution condemning her again because clearly she deserves it. And the progressives and the Congressional Black Caucus and others fought back because they said, well, we should condemn everything. We should condemn all instances of racism and anti-Semitism. Wow, that really gives it teeth. Let's not single her out. Why not? Why wouldn't you single her out? She's a repeat offender. She seems to not be able to learn her lesson. That what she's saying is not just factually incorrect. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It's the kind of thing that tears apart our country. And she's, and there are members of Congress, senior members of Congress, like Nita Lowy, like Elliot Engel, like Jerry Nadler, others, Jews, who have basically had their own loyalty called into question, which is crazy. Now, I mean, part of that is the political times in which we live. I think when the president, and I, I don't blame this entirely on the president, but when the president talks about the fact that there are, that Democrats hate our country, I think it's pretty awful too. I mean, that, but that doesn't have the same level. I'm not equating the two at all. What I'm saying is the discourse is bad. Everything is about, if you're not with me entirely, you kind of hate our country. But the issue here is now goes beyond it. Now we're in a discussion of a generational divide in the Democratic Party. That's how the New York Times is putting it. A new debate about Israel. A new debate about APAC and its power. Well, guess what? There was like 15 years ago, there was this book written about APAC called The Jewish Lobby by Walter Mearsheimer. I thought it was an absolute canard. Okay, but that was like the cause celeb for the progressive establishment for years about APAC's power. And we've been talking about APAC's power for so long. That's been talked about. That's been debated. That's not what Ilian Omer is talking about here. She has unleashed a attack on Jews or on Jews who support Israel. And saying that their support of Israel, or any, or maybe it's beyond just Jews. I don't know. I mean, you know, we don't always we don't liken the all about the Benjamins to evangelicals. We don't say it's because evangelical Christians support Israel because of the Benjamins. But a couple things here is that most Americans are, if you would believe what's going on here, if you would believe what the progressives say, if you would believe what the supporters supporters of Ilyan Omar saying, like Linda Sarsour, like AOC, like these people who have rallied to her defense and now prevented the Democratic Party for essentially taking this up. If you believe them and what they say here, you would actually believe that APAC is an arm of the Israeli government. In fact, APAC has nothing to do with the Israeli government. Yes, of course, they have Israeli government officials and they have the prime minister, whoever it is at the time, appear at their conference, but they have everybody. They actually have the opposition too. You know, and of course, everything is, we are opposed to the policies of the Netanyahu government. We are opposed to, you know, they have to, of course, include the fact that Bibi now might include this fringe, you know, Kahanist party, (coughs) excuse me, in his coalition. And that's an excuse somehow for what? Representative Ilyan Omar said. But don't take it from me. I email came this morning, a fundraising email from the Working Families Party. This is the far left Democratic adjunct party here in New York State. We have smaller parties in New York State. And it says essentially that 
Omar has been under siege and been under attack from the white nationalist extremist right. So, of course, now let's marginalize the pro-Israel community. Let's marginalize people like us, essentially. Talks about death threats. Republicans linking her to 9-11. That appeared somewhere in West Virginia. Some appeared not from a member of Congress, remind you. All coming from a Republican party that has go, gone all in on defending and excusing white nationalism, anti-Semitism, and bigotry of all kinds. All targeted at a young, progressive, trailblazing woman of color. One who has acknowledged and apologized for misstatements, but who has a record of listening and learning and of standing up against hate. Now, of course, that would be fine to say she listened and learned if she didn't do it again. But she listened, learned, and repeated the same anti-Semitic tropes. Or actually different anti-Semitic tropes, but anti-Semitic tropes nonetheless. And then they attack the Democrats themselves. But it's not only Donald Trump and Fox News enabling these attacks. It's also some in the Democratic Party establishment. And on Twitter the other day, Linda Sarsour, who is a big player in New York progressive politics, I urge you to look her up. And she went after Nancy Pelosi on Twitter. And maybe that's why Nancy Pelosi folded. It's amazing she doesn't fold in the face of Donald Trump, but somehow in the face of this progressive outrage, I, you know, I stand. The far right in this country, let me I just continue with this email because it's so obscene. And it's in New York. In New York. And there are plenty of Jews who are part of the Working Families Party. The far right in this country has seized upon recent comments made by Representative Omar that were critical of the influence of lobbyists for Israel's far right government on members of Congress. Now, not true. AIPAC is not an arm, a lobbyist for the far right Israeli government. They are lobbyists for pro-Israel Americans. All in order to escalate their campaign against her. No, she escalated her own campaign against her by continuing to make remarks, even though she in theory, had learned, listened, learned, and apologized. That's what we can expect from the right, they continue. But Democratic House leadership is reportedly considering introducing a congressional resolution as soon as this week that would have the effect of singling out her for shaming. And then, of course, it asks for money. Now, let's continue to the real offensive part here. Anti-Semitism is real, and it exists across the political spectrum on the left as well as the right, especially with terrifying acts of anti-Semitic violence like the deadly attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. We cannot turn a blind eye to it anywhere. See, you hear that? They invoked the Tree of Life Synagogue, the Pittsburgh Massacre, in a sense to say, well, we can't condemn... Representative Omar, because there's also, because we had this terrible white nationalist, horrible shooting, tragic shooting in Pittsburgh. So therefore, we should kind of ignore what she says because there is anti-Semitism on the right as well. As if there was anybody in this country who condoned the Pittsburgh massacre. The president himself, like it or not, went to Pittsburgh that's not supporting white nationalism and anti-Semitism. Yes, 
we all agree, or no, should we all, I will say unequivocally, President Donald Trump could be more forceful in his denunciations of white supremacy, but never heard anybody actually condoning it. Then they go after Steve Scalise, who once appeared at a conference with David Duke, who, which he apologized for. And then, of course, they go into the progressive nonsense of it's all more reason why we should be focused on uniting across differences to stand up to fight hate and bigotry in all its forms, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim bias of the kind Representative Omar experiences, as well as racism and xenophobia. And we can only do that by standing together, not choosing to play directly into the trap laid by the far right. That's why we are standing with Representative Ilhan Omar today. Here we go. This is what it's all about. There's no equivalence between a member of Congress accusing her own colleagues of loyalty to a foreign nation because of their religion as there is to all this other noise out there, to all this other stuff. And basically what they're saying is, well, there's plenty of hatred out there, so we either have to condemn it all, everything that's going on, and throw it all in there, and basically give a pass to a person, a young progressive icon, who's under attack and under siege by the far, far right. And they want you to stand, hashtag, I stand with Ilyan. So what's this about? We should basically not, we should not condemn anything. <coughs> you have to condemn, don't condemn anything. Because everything, because there's plenty of bigotry out there and she's experienced bigotry. So therefore she's decided to turn it on the Jews. Why is she not responsible for the words she says? Why is she not accountable for the words she says? Democrats try and hold the president accountable for every word he utters, and perhaps he should be. And I'm sure I would hold Republicans accountable in a similar fashion. And Republicans, the leadership, rushed to condemn Steve King when he made outlandish. Now, he'd been making crazy statements for a long time, and I think they should have, and I think they should have criticized him for visiting far-right pro-Nazi groups or neo-Nazi groups in Eastern Europe when he went. And I think they should do that. And I think that's appropriate. Why is it not appropriate here when you accuse your own colleagues of a dual loyalty to condemn her? Why do you have to throw in the... What does Charlottesville exactly have to do with this? These were not members of Congress. This is a person elected to the legislative body of this greatest state, of this greatest country on the face of the earth, a tolerant, democratic, wonderful society. And she has sought it fit as a person who says she's been marginalized herself, who has had, and I sympathize with that. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but that doesn't give you license to go ahead and marginalize and perpetrate 
bigoted tropes against another people. And for some reason, and we've talked about this in the past, this intersectionality nonsense of there's oppressed people and the oppressors, that all people of color and all people of minority religions are have to be in solidarity with one another. Like when Linda Sarsour says that good feminists can't be Zionists and the Women's March had thrown out Jews from its leadership. That's, they forget, of course, that the Jews have the history of persecution. Not that we want to own persecution. Not we want to be the persecuted, but keep in mind, the Jewish community is 2% of this country. It's not as if we are a dominant group here that spends all day oppressing people of color. But somehow this intersectionality nonsense doesn't apply, doesn't get you to Jewish people. And I feel bad for Democratic members of Congress who are sitting there, like the Nita Lowys, who was my congresswoman once, like Jerry Nadler, even for Jerry Nadler, Elliot Engel, prominent Jewish members of God, Brad Sherman, Adam Schiff, these are guys, and how, how do they not recognize, and everybody does recognize, they all see this happening. And yet this is somehow this battle for the soul. This is a generational battle. We're going to couch this all in progressive conservative terms, and you basically force Democrats to kind of, you're either siding with Ilion or you're siding with the president, or you're siding with the radical white nationalist Republicans. That's crazy. Ilion Omar is the one who started this. She is responsible for her words. And you need to hold her accountable for her words, for her own words, for things she said she listened, she learned, but yet she said them again, obviously. And she's been saying them for a while. She's been saying them for a while. And she continues to say them. Anyway, that's it for this week. Hopefully by next week we will have a, a better resolution to this. Here on the Nachum Siegel Network, this is Michael Fragan signing off in spin class. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. Mm-hmm.